Hello and welcome to this episode of Superhero Ethics. Today we're talking about revolutions and warfare. Today we're talking about what's the line between wanting to win and wanting revenge. Today we're talking about robotic life. And yes, we are all doing it in the guise of the newest Transformers television show on Netflix. But even if you haven't seen that or haven't seen any television, if you haven't seen any Transformers, you're still, I think, going to have a lot to get out of this conversation, especially when I tell you that Michael Bay and his Transformers world will not be discussed in any way. Yeah. All that and more after this commercial break, we have no control over. Welcome back. I'm Matthew. I'm your host, and I'm joined by um, becoming a kind of regular guest um, once again. Paul Hoppy. Paul, how are we doing today? Doing pretty good. We're awake. We're ready to go. Yeah. All, says, all systems are firing. All systems um, firing. Exactly. Says Paul, I think, who woke up 10 minutes ago, something like that. It was like at least 15 minutes ago. I'll say, okay. though, when you said how it's 9.30 a.m., I was like, you mean your time, my time, or like <laughs> Hawaii time? <laughs> Paul's in California. I'm in Minnesota. But all of us, our hearts are in Cybertron. Yes. Uh because we're discussing the um uh th- this conversation is going to be based off of Transformers War in Cybertron, a Netflix series that launched just a couple days ago that I confess was not on my radar screen, <laughs> um, and, um not one that I would have thought we were going to be covering. But Paul suggested I watch it, and there were it did bring up some really interesting issues. That, as I said, whether you're a diehard Transformer fan or whether you have not done anything except playing with the toys when you were a kid, or not even do that. Um, I think the conversation that we're going to have today is much more about the general issues, just using uh, Transformers as the jumping off point. So, Paul, let's start there. What what about this show made it one where you were like, yeah, you know, this would be a good one for us to talk about on the podcast? Well, I did have a lot of the toys. I'll, I'll lead with that. <laughs> so, um, you know, there's there's a certain when 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 it comes to Transformers, like it's it's kind of a little bit like Star Wars for me where, you know how good the content is itself is a little separated from some of like how I feel about it. But, you know, we've, I've actually watched several animated Transformers, Transformers series. Um, mm, okay. Several of which are, you know, they're, they're all right. Um, there's, there's some stuff there. Um, but I started watching this one cause I was like, okay, it's six episodes long. Uh, it's available in, in several languages. So I can have fun with that. And, um, you know, I was like, I'll just watch it. And I started watching it, and I was like, oh, they're, like, actually discussing their motivations as opposed to just, like, yeah. good guys, bad guys, <clears throat> let's go. You know, I can turn <laughs> into a truck. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, which, I mean, Optimus Prime can still turn into a truck, which they're on tr- Cybertron, and as far as we know, they haven't... I mean, I guess they are, like, a space-faring, you know, species, but, like, they're mostly on Cybertron, so it's like... Why are you turning into a truck? But whatever, that's not the major <laughs> the major issue. Um, I think it's just because like kids like trucks. Um, yeah, <laughs> but you know, but but it you know, th- there's really just like a lot of discussion about like this war between the Autobots and the Decepticons, and like where did it come from? Why is it still going? What are their goals? And yeah. on both sides, you have a very strong leader who. Pretty much everyone's like, yeah, okay, this is clearly our leader. We're going to do what they say. But there's a lot of questioning that goes on on, on both sides. And um, I just think that's way more interesting um, of a story than just like, oh, 
dear leader, what do you want to do? Okay, we'll do that, you know? Yeah. I, I agree with you. I, I definitely was kind of, um, I did not have much of a history. I did play with the uh, Transformers as a kid. I will say the one Transformer that I like, I think the first one that I had, and maybe the only one I had for a while, was Soundwave. Mm. whose special thing was that he was basically like he turned into a boombox <laughs> and he had like a uh, a compartment for a tape player yeah. in which you could put like, you know, audio tape that and the audio tape then turned into like a flying thing. Yeah. I loved that. Like Laser. they've remade it today for a generation that probably has no idea what a boombox <laughs> or an audio like tape is. Right, right. And so they didn't bother with that in any way, shape, or form. They just sort of animated a kind of box thing about where the tape would go. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I think he, he still turns into a boombox probably. But it's like, I don't know. It, it's like, the you know, Laserbeak still goes in his chest or something. And then there's yeah. like another one who's like him. And um, But it does, it, yeah, they did. They, they weren't like, let's get really deep into what he transforms into. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it's... It reminds me a lot of Shira, which we also both saw recently, um, mm-hmm. which I really love. It, and I feel like, like Shira, it had this problem of, you know, this is a world built first of all on toys, yeah. as you said. Like no one was thinking, like right. there were toy what, commercials. Yeah, well, no one was thinking originally, like what's the plot reason why Prime turns into a truck? It's as you said, like kids like trucks, so let's right. do it. Yeah. And now they have to come up with this like world idea of it. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it did an interesting job. I think some of it is a lot more ridiculous than things you get in Shira. Yeah. But, you know, they kind of just lean into the crazy names and have fun with them. And, you know, they, they do enough interesting world building in a way that makes you kind of, like, not really care about the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, I but- did also find myself spending a good deal of last night and this morning reading an awful lot of Transformers, uh, like, backstory and right. content. which. Yeah is not a thing I thought I would ever find myself doing. <laughs> this is really just all an elaborate ploy to get you to see robots more as uh, living beings, as people. Uh, you're welcome, yeah. Jacob. But... but Yeah. Well, and actually, I, I checked in with Jacob about this because there was something I was thinking about, and, and yeah. he confirmed, at least you know, from his perspective, and it's one yeah. I think I agree with, is that one thing the Transformers do is interesting is they are mechanical life, mm-hmm. but they and maybe they're robots, but they're not artificial intelligence. No, yeah. Because artificial right. intelligence is something built by someone else. Right. And as far as I understand in this world, and I, going a deep dive into the Transformers continuity is a little bit difficult because sure. <laughs> it does. there's been like eight different continuities, none of which yeah. line up. I would say this is a reboot. It, or yes. It's, you know, it's, it, it's, it's booting from a point earlier than, you know, the other media really started from. Right. Well, and I think um, from I'm not I'm not I didn't go too deep on this, but my understanding is that there is a video game called War on Cybertron, yeah, I, I and that this is kind of Cybertron. in that world as well. But the point is that in most of in mo- at least in this version of the the canon, um, they were not created by anyone; they just evolved like life does on other places. So, yeah, it's an interesting kind of understanding of like what does robotic life mean, right? Um, right. Um, and, wh- I'll, I, I use that to actually kind of jump into what is, I think, one of the things, one of the only things about the show that really bothered me. And I, I guess this is, you know, it, it sort of goes with, you know, what you need when you create shows for seven-year-olds. But it's something that you pointed out as well. Um, they are completely, like, their reproduction is completely asexual. Right. Like, they just kind of are built. Yeah. And so having them all be gendered and, like... yeah. There's, for the most part, only one female character. There's two others no. who appear a bit at the end and maybe for a few there's, seconds at the like beginning. Four, but yeah. 
Well, but there's only, I mean, for most of it, there's only one. Um, no, there's two from in like the first episode. But your your overall point, like the majority of the characters are male, is completely right. accurate. Just yeah, I, I think they actually really deliberately made it more than one. Because um, in the past there were like originally there were like zero, uh-huh. and then you would get shows where there was like one or like maybe two. I um, get it. Felt to me like Alita being the main one, and she's the only one who appears in episodes like two, three, four, and mostly five, and then like. At the end of five and six, and maybe a little bit in one, we get some of the other female characters. But um, it, either way, maybe maybe I missed a couple of them. But yeah, um, the, the, the gendering of robots seems yeah, so yeah. unnecessary. Right. Um, well, so... No, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, yes, but, right? The, the but being, like, 100%, like, why are they gendered, right? Like, they don't have sexual reproduction. They, from as far as I can tell... Um, they're basically physically built and then imbued with a spark and then they are who they are, right? And right. that's kind of like the, the basis of this show or this war is that they were, um, you know, basically created for, that, that a bunch of them were created for a purpose, like work in the mines or fight in the arena as right. gladiators, but that they actually do have this individuality. They're not programmed. They're not artificial intelligence, right? They're their, um, I guess, natural intelligence. Uh, but in, in terms of the gendering, I completely agree. It makes no actual sense. But the problem is, if you go back and you look at, you know, and quote-unquote androgynous robots or, you know, not gendered robots, what you often get is, and this is true in a, in a lot of things, not just robots, right? You get... Yeah, male is the default. Exactly. And and obviously that's problematic. And so, you know, if they managed to kind of make all of the robots not have, like, be less, if they made the rest seem like less male, and, right. I mean, it's like, why are they even anthropomorphic, right? Like, they are, but it's like, I guess they're not supposedly based off of humans. It's just like, oh, this, like, two legs and two arms and a head kind of thing. Is just a natural sort of like way, even though like yeah. it's not right. I mean, that's I know that's a very <laughs> kind of Star Trek. Sorry, Star Trek fans. Um, but like you know, that was basically because it's like easier to put makeup on someone than to try to make like a, a triangle into a, a life form or something. But right. Um, but so I I think what they're doing with that is they're trying to have like more female voice actors and and make it sort of more inclusive, even though it like really doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And I, like, I think you could do that without, you know, the female robots have, you know, female <laughs> sex characteristics that, right. are, you know, like, there's no reason for a robot to have breasts. It just does right, not right. seem to Or to, like, sense. walk in this sort of, like, very hit, I don't know, like, there's yeah, this yeah, sort that, of, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, there's one robot who literally is swinging her hips, like, she's yeah, walking yeah. in heels, and it's yeah. just like, come right. on, people. Yeah, yeah, for sure, um, for sure. But, but either way, I mean, because you're right, I, th- I think, to me, I think it'd be really interesting to create a world of robots, because... Part of that is, I don't think there's anything that makes the, the male robots distinguished as male. It's just the right. idea of, like, default is male. Yeah. And I wonder if you could just have, like, a range of human voice actors. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, of all genders, you know, obviously because there's more than just those two. Um, but anyway, like, it's, it is certainly doing more than some of the other Transformer stuff, that's for sure. There's no Megan Fox character, which is right, uh, right, a right, nice right, step right. forward. Right. Um, so, so let's talk about what, what are some of the interesting questions you think that this raises? I think because... For me, certainly, actually, uh, I just asked you, but I'm just going to answer it myself. <laughs> um, so we have these two leaders, Megatron and uh, Optimus Prime. 
the story as we're told it is that there was some great revolution that um, they, they both fought in where there was right. some other group that was oppressing all of them. Yeah. We're never really told who that is, but that they all were basically slaves. That, that Megatron and, and Optimus Prime kind of won that war or other people before them won the war. But that now they're trying to figure out who should like lead them in a post-revolution age. And Megatron is really trying to make it all about himself and all about his own power. And Optimus Prime is really more interested in the freedom to do everything. Um, we never quite know what it's the, you know, oppression of what or the freedom to do what. But did you see them as kind of um, like on the one hand, there seemed a um, Magneto Professor X characteristic to yeah, the two of them. Yeah, it's not a perfect analogy, but I definitely feel like there was some of that, especially with how much um, Megatron is very much interested in, in like, you know, like power for his own people and, um, you know, not trusting anyone and never wanting to be oppressed again. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was the question. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I see them very much as trying to kind of um, play on that, you know, that sort of like Magneto Professor X, like used to be colleagues, were fighting for the same thing, had a disagreement about how to go about it or maybe what their actual end goal was, but uh-huh. had a bunch in common. And then... Um, so I, I think the original leader of the revolution was Alpha Trion, who then Megatron murdered, according to Prime. But we right. don't know exactly. But I, I mean, I'll take his word on that. Megatron seems to like shooting people. But, <laughs> you know, um, and I'm and sure he probably was like, oh, let's do it this way, you know. And, um, you know, it's like, basically, it seems like Megatron's that sort of like, that kind of like maybe Stalinist or, um, I mean, I was to, to, to gleefully cement mixer metaphors. Um, <laughs> it, it feels also a little bit kind of like a French revolution sort of like, yeah, that's really like a better metaphor. You, you get this like cycle of oppression. I think a lot of times where mm-hmm. you have a group with power oppressing another group without power or that other group doesn't really have power unless they organize. Right. And then they organize and they overthrow the group that had been in power. Maybe they decapitate them all. We don't know. Um, but they take power. But it's really hard to actually spread power out, you know, to distribute power effectively. Um, right. It hasn't really been done so effectively in human history, from what I can tell. Um, sadly, because that's like the way I think it should be, right? Um, right. And, and that's this, like, very leftist idea of, like, power should not exist within, like, one person or a few people. And so, you know, when you then get these ideas of, like, okay, we're going to share this power, but we're going to be in control of it and share it for you, kind of, then, then you get someone like Megatron, basically, who's like, well, I'm going to be in charge of all the power and I'll make sure that everybody has what they need. And then now you just have this new oppressive group oppressing right. the ones who are left, kind of. Um, and I I think that's a good point. And I would actually even take another part of the French revolution that I think is also we're we're seeing here. And and I think happens in a lot of these stories and in real life where once you declare that, you know, you are fighting against the enemies of the people, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it becomes very hard to tell the difference between this person is an enemy of the people and wants to oppress me as opposed to. This person also wants to fight oppression, but wants to fight oppression in a different way than I do and perhaps isn't as radical as I am. Yeah. Because one thing that happens in the French Revolution is the the group who th- 
is like leading the revolution starts to draw a smaller and smaller circle around Mm -hmm. who is actually in the revolution and who are the enemies. Um, And that's, I think, a lot of what I see Megatron doing is that kind of like, you know, if, you know, it's the, if you're not with me, you're against me kind of a thing. Um, And I, I wish we'd gotten more of that, more of this kind of like debate between him and Optimus Prime, about what exactly are they fighting about? Yeah. Um, but I understand where, you know, and maybe we'll see that more in season two. But I, I did think it was a really interesting dynamic to play with because at times they make Megatron a kind of sympathetic character when he's not just then, you know, calling for genocide. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I think where he starts um, is very in the um, kind of like wants to put an end to the war, clearly is, you know, enamored with his own power and himself. But I think still very much sees himself as this, like, gladiator risen up to, like, overthrow those who, who you know, are, are oppressing most people. And it, it's kind of hard to see, like, why is he so against the Autobots? At, at one point, somebody's talking about, like, oh, there you were in your palaces sipping glasses of Energon, which, like, seems like, okay, they have glasses? But, like, sure. Um, <laughs> you know? And... And so it, it makes me think, like, are some of the Autobots, like, from that, like, sort of higher cast? And, like, right. they're <laughs> not, like, trying to get back in power necessarily, but they, like, just want to live? Like, it's a little unclear. Um, but, but yeah, I think Megatron has this, like, well, we want to win. We want to end the war. They apparently offered a truce to the Autobots, but then Prime doesn't really trust it. He's like, oh, they're just going to, like, overwrite us or whatever. You know, there's this whole thing about... Um, what what is it? Uh, I thought I wrote it down somewhere. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, like where then Shockwave's plan is to like overwrite the faulty programming of the Autobots. Yeah, which seems like um, obviously horrible, and also maybe an allusion to some some horrible things in our own world. Yeah, it's it's basically it's like re-education camps and brainwashing. You know exactly, exactly. Um, and you know, and then you you have this you know Jetfire who's um who was a, a toy that I remember buying and taking like <laughs> 10 hours to try to figure out how to transform. That thing was so complicated. Um, <laughs> and I really like that. Like the transformers are very different sizes. Like you see that Megatron's so much bigger than most of the other Decepticons, but then Jetfire yep. is actually even bigger. Cause like he turns into a giant plane, you know, <laughs> like it makes some sense. Um, but he's, he's all like, you know, well, let he's like let's take them captive like we don't and then starscream's like no let's kill them all um and you, you'd said that he he you know starscream seems like very tucker carlson to you yeah um, <laughs> well he evolves a lot of the course of the show that's how that's really how it felt like at the beginning though right 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 then he's a little more richard spencer maybe yeah <laughs> um you know he's like he's let's annihilate the autobots this is the only way and like when shockwave is like let's overwrite their programming you know, Starscream's like, no, our race will be tainted by that. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so let, me, let me let me hit pause there because we, yeah. you've hit like three different issues that I want to talk yeah, about. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. the, the first thing is on, on this Megatron and Optimus Prime thing, one of the things I thought was interesting, and I, I this is one of those times where I don't know if it's the show just painting with a broad brush or being very brilliantly nuanced writing. Right. Um, but op, like, so Megatron clearly is, you know, I'm the great leader. Everyone must follow me. Forget about freedom. This is about, you know, me, me leading you to the freedom of, you know, freedom of choice kind of thing. Right, right, right. Um, so Optimus Prime is all about like, no, I can't, I can't sign your treaty. I have to be for freedom. Right. When does he ever actually give the people who are working under him, the Autobots, the right to have a choice? 
Yes. So because constantly yeah. he is saying, like <clears throat> they're they're expressing like concerns with his ideas, and he doesn't say like you have to follow me or I'll kill you. He says you have to have faith in me. Right. But he never says, oh, okay, I'm outvoted, like or you know, I yeah. listen to you as the people, and so I'm like he, he's just as much of a dictator, just in his own way. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say just as much, but um, very unsatisfyingly not a dictator. Um, not, not a, there's, yeah, not, yeah. not a, yeah. Um, he, I mean, cause he's got Ultra Magnus basically being like, you know, um, being like, well, let's just sign the treaty. You know, we're losing, we're getting crushed. Let's just sign the treaty. And then he's got Alita one being like, oh, don't go do this. Don't go do that. Um, you know, sort of like they're kind of supposed to be kind of like the, you know, sort of the, the voices of reason against his, right. like, damn fool crusade. But it's like, it doesn't get um, Ultra Magnus very far surrendering. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, so... It, it they, they never vote, right? It's like, he is very much an, an autocrat, right? right. In, in, um, he listens, but then so does Megatron, you know? And so yeah. it's like, it's like, well, what makes him, like, less wrong than Megatron? Because he doesn't want to genocide the Decepticons? Like, okay, yeah. But that wasn't, right. like, Megatron's original position anyway. So, um, yeah, you know... I, I yeah. think that's actually an important point as well. I mean, yeah, kind of agreeing with you. I, I think that neither neither of these two leaders thinks they're an autocrat. You know, right. they both think that they're sort of just doing what's needed, which yeah. I think is a, a powerful, like, show that's on both sides. I think that one of my favorite parts of this is that we actually get to see Megatron's evolution because he does yes. start... um Wanting a truce, wanting to make peace, feeling like um, like the other side is going to be, as he understands it, reasonable. Yeah. And one of his underlings actually proposes basically a genocide. And he's like, no, 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 we don't do that. Yeah. Um, and someone else on his side is like, yeah, we fight with honor. We don't do that. Right. Um, and it's only once what he sees as the, the reasonable peace is rejected yeah. that he goes further into this like – no, okay. Now we got to wipe. Now I'm going to go along with his plan. We got to wipe them all out. And I, I, I like getting to see that. That it's just his anger and his pride and his frustration kind of take over, and start to just make him no longer want conciliation. He just want now wants to win. Yeah, and I mean I think that sort of thing happens a lot in in the real world. Like even even like forget about wars. Just like somebody, two people ha- are. At it kind of at odds, right? Have opposing viewpoints, want something different. And one of them kind of like proposes something that to them seems like a reasonable um, conciliation, like a reasonable compromise. And then when that gets rejected, um, that person offering that compromise often like digs in harder to their position. And it's yeah. like, well, now I won't accept a draw, you know? Now I won't. Uh, I mean, it, it happens in, in games too, right? Yeah. Um, and and sort of like well now I have to win um, because like they they've rejected this middle ground um, so it's almost like now it becomes binary as opposed to like well you know they never say like well what what exactly is the middle ground that was offered are there ways of you know negotiating from that point like right. okay you're saying this okay you say you want A I say I want B and you're like I'll give you like a quarter of the way towards B and then it's like. You know, can we be like, how about a third? How about a half? Like, you know. Well, and this is our problem with, it seems, so much media. It's the Sokovia Accords problem where, you right. know, the, the, the yeah. standard in these shows is, um, you know, 
I make an offer, you make a counter offer, I reject the counter offer, we fight. Right. Um, yeah. And and yeah, I, I you know, I don't think eight year old kids want to watch Transformers in a boardroom trying to work out the details of the contract. I would love it, but you know, that's just sort of the price we pay with this media we watch. Right. Um. Um. But yeah, so I I, I thought I thought um, Megatron's kind of like descent there is interesting. What did you think though about the concept of honor and fighting honorably? Because it seems to be one that oh. keeps being brought up. Yeah. And. In different ways, two different Decepticons wind up, in one case, full-on becoming an Autobot. In the other case, like, helping this kind of neutral party at first and then helping an Autobot. Yeah. In in big part, though, because they think Megatron is no longer fighting honorably. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, there's that. There's a scene where Ultra Magnus, like, basically escapes from captivity and is could shoot, Me- you know, Megatron in the back. And Megatron, he's like, turn around. And Megatron's like, no. Like, you won't shoot me in the back. Like, you know, and and then, you know, it's weird. And Jetfire's there, right? And then he ends up, like, subduing Ultra Magnus. But, and Megatron's like, you know, you should take the shot, basically. And then right. later, Jetfire, who didn't like the kind of dishonor of the Decepticons, goes and joins the Autobots. But before he does that, he actually shoots a Decepticon in the back. Yeah, <laughs> so there's some selective understandings of what is honorable in combat. Although, um, I mean, so I don't think for him, he basically, you know, um, Megatron's like, you know, this is a lesson for both of us or whatever, or both of you. And, and Jeffire's like, understood. And, you know, and then he basically does what Megatron told him to do, but against Megatron, um, which I think is kind of interesting. I don't know. They're, they're, the, the idea of honorable combat is, you know, to some extent ridiculous. Yeah. Right? It's like, if you've come to the point where you're willing to do violence for some end, it's like, does does honor really... Ma- I, I feel like honor is a thing that was sort of, like, created to, um, to, to kind of just, like, make people who might be subject to violence because they're subjecting other people to violence kind of like a little bit safer and make the world a little more predictable. Right. Yeah. I I think part of the idea was to say like violence can be acceptable if there's rules. Right. And it's what I'm torn on because I think in in part, I I feel like it's an attempt to make something that is truly monstrous seem acceptable. And that seems like a terrible idea. And I do, I mean, I think it's George Patton uh, the American general from World War II who said, you know, that the the honorable thing is to end the war as quickly as possible. That means doing whatever you can to end the war as quickly as possible. Um, and I think that there's some, like, making fighting more okay and making fighting more fair so that it drags out longer seems like terrible things. <laughs> right, right, um, right, right. I, on the flip side, though, I do, like, I feel like, to me, honorable combat and then kind of like a Geneva, war, Geneva Convention on They're War different. kind of idea of, like, yeah. You know, you don't hit civilians and you yeah, don't yeah. attack medics. Like, that feels different to me. And here in the show, I think they're using it for both because they're also saying, right. like, we don't try to win through genocide, which I'd, I'd say, yeah, that's that's a good tactic, right, for, right. you know? Yeah, well, it's like, I mean, all the Autobots are soldiers because that, because there's a war, right? It's not right. like because they were just always going to be soldiers. Um, it... Yeah, I mean, there's a difference between nuking a city or two and shooting a dictator in the back. Like, right. I, I, I don't, I don't want to be like, oh yeah, I think honor is this ridiculous concept—not ridiculous concept, but this like sort of 
I mean, but that's what it is, right? It's right. it's it's something that's kind of manufactured, and we use one word to mean a bunch of things. Right. And I think that's always very uh, challenging, and and ultimately potentially very dangerous. Um, you know, th- there's um. Uh, there, there's there's a line where um, I think Alita wants like you know you didn't start this war and and Optimus Prime is like you know but I did the mo- the moment I chose to oppose Megatron and um, you know I mean I've always thought that I mean any any physical conflict any war always takes two sides yeah right um, that that doesn't mean that both sides share fault the same way but it means that like basically you know you can have war you can have peace or you can have oppression or kind of sort of the the three states of of being that that i I see where it's like peace is where no one's oppressing anyone everybody's basically free to do you know reasonable things and um and it's the absence of war but it's also the absence of oppression when when you have a group like what the decepticon what megatron apparently wanted to do what we're told he wanted to do you know, we can see from his actions in the show that, like, he obviously went, you know, um, pretty far in the direction of being an oppressor. But we don't know, like, when Prime first chose to oppose him, like, what was he doing? What, you know, what set that off? Um, and so, you know, Prime basically chose war over oppression, so we're told. Um, and, you know, it's just like in the beginning, you know, they're like, I, th- I think Megatron says this war started as a revolution, not a genocide. You know, we have to right. reach their their sparks and minds, basically, right? Um, I like that. Yeah, I think you're right. I think cause there's kind of a couple of different things there. One is, I hadn't thought about this way, but I, I like the point you're making that you have to kind of, on some level, decide to go to war. You know, and that that because I think one of the things I think is a real problem in our own world, it's easy to sort of fall into this thinking of like. You only fight when you're forced to, when you have to, when you have right. no choice. And the thing is, I think you always have a choice. And yeah, always, um, you know, Gandhi, I think, demonstrated that sometimes always refusing to choose violence can be helpful. But I think also, like, sometimes choosing violence is the better path. Right. But by telling us that there is no choice, it kind of like it lets us off the hook from ever having to decide. Because it yeah. means that we never have to say, you know what, this is the point at which I say... The cops are too violent. The, you know, Germany is going too far, whatever it is. And we have to fight back. And I think that's honestly kind of a real problem is that we sort of think of it as like, you know, that the beast from magic moment. But that's kind of one of the worst things about oppression is that's always okay to be like, no, I'll just, you know, give up a little more freedom, a little more freedom, or even more so I'll give up someone else's a little more freedom. Right. Or life or like, well, yeah, you can kill 1 million people, but 2 million, 6 million, that's too many. Like it's, it's this slide where, I mean, like right now, you know, governments are killing people across the world. Right. And, but it's a small enough number of people that unless it's your family, unless it's someone, you know, unless you hear a specific story it's very easy to be like, okay, well, that's not something to go to war about. Right. Or it's um, someone who looks like you. Or it's someone who looks like exactly. I mean, whatever reasons people, right? You know, have for caring about other people. Um, it, it just, um, you know, it's it's more insidious. Like when it's just like basic rights. That's just like, well, we'll just roll this back a little bit. 
right. you know, we'll roll this back a little bit. And people are like, oh, yeah, but, you know, there's a good reason. And it's like, okay, well, I hear your reason, but it's like, but, you know, you can still do that then later unless you really have some, you know, very deliberate mechanism in place. It's like, you know, the, the Patriot Act was always going to be used to oppress uh, people in the United States, States. You know, it's like... It, like once you start sending troops one place, like there's not that much standing in the way of, of sending them somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and it's every there's it's like there's not a decision that's presented to you um, unless somebody's like has a gun in your face or something. Right. But every time something like this is happening, which is like all the time, there's just this constant, you know, are you going to do something about it or not? And that's not a decision that's pre presented to you, but it's a decision that is present. Right. And I, I think that's why it's very easy for some people to judge, you know, when other people decide, like, yeah, I, I, I'm not just going to chant. I need to throw a rock. I need mm -hmm. to do something, you know. Um, and I, I'm not I'm not trying to get into a debate about specifically where that line is or should be, but I think it's very easy for a lot of people to say, like, no, I'm never going to cross that line unless I have to. And so I, right. I'm taking away my own agency. Yeah, and I like yeah. the show. is like, yeah, no, the, uh, Optimus Prime is saying like, yeah, he could have decided to live under slavery yeah. uh, or under oppression. And, and he kind of decided for everyone else not to. And they, they seem to agree. Um, the, the other thing I think is interesting about that, and uh, there's a character named uh, Starscream who, as you mentioned, brings this up somewhat, is that one of the things I think that becomes most insidious about when you start kind of defining yourself by the struggle you're in is that now you have this belief of a warrior culture, you know, and, right. and Starscream, he says specifically like part of why he, um, you know, feels the way he does about some things is that he doesn't want the, the Decepticon warrior culture to be diluted, um, right. which I get that they, they never really quite make clear if like Decepticons and Autobots are things that you're born into or are like, just uh, like allegiances that you choose or how it does. But, Either way, I, I think it's an interesting um, perspective that he has. I mean, a horrifying one, but but a, yeah. in, in, an illustrative one that he is so dedicated to this warlikeness that, I mean, there's a time when he's planning a coup d'etat against Megatron because yeah. he thinks Megatron isn't, you know, being radical enough. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, so I just, to backtrack a little bit, one of my least favorite lines in fiction is, I didn't have a choice. Or like, you know, when people are just like, oh, yeah, I did that because I had to. And it's like, well, you, you made a choice, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and here, you know, it's like Megatron made a choice to kind of go Starscream's route. Um, Starscream in in like he, he is in most of the stories like this kind of like, you know, manipulative, manipulative kind of like behind Megatron's back really wants to be in control of the De Decepticons for whatever reason. Usually it's kind of just like, cause he wants to here. Right. It seems like he's like, because he thinks Megatron is weak, even though like Megatron's like way more powerful than him. But like, he thinks he's like emotionally weak, right? He thinks yeah. he, he um, actually cares. Um, I, so I do think um, that the, um, the Decepticons and Autobots like basically choose their own mm -hmm. um allegiances essentially um they but but that it does like become a part of their being kind of uh in you know in the original story or whatever i mean i think autobots stood for like auto like automobile right because they turn into cars mostly right and you know decepticons is obviously like well they're the villains so like they lie and 
but uh, in it, there, there's like a, a book that's like a backstory of um, you know the Transformers world in general, and um, you know the Autobot supposedly uh, stands for like like autonomy essentially, you know. Um, but which is so uh, weird because to me, I hear Autobot and I think automatic and automated. Oh right, yeah, and the exact no. opposite of any kind of like like machines that don't have freedom. Right, right, exactly, um, and. And and so it you know it is there's an extent to which like primes like you know fight with me if you you want things to be this particular way but it's you know the 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 thing I think about the show that 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 I like the most probably um, aside from the fact that there are actually these other characters asking questions of the leaders and mm-hmm. like that we don't really get necessarily a satisfying answer on the Autobot side but you know just like oh you don't have you lost you know do you doubt me like you, you need right. to have faith in me aside from that like um just the like pathos yeah of of the world and like the horror of war and the um you know one of my favorite lines from LA Confidential is when Exley asks um Vincennes like you know why did you become a cop and he's like I don't remember yeah. And it's like this idea that, you know, there are a lot of things that you can start for what to you at the time seems like a very good and very important reason. And that you just kind of go along with it. You go along with it. You go along with it. You're fighting. And at some point, there's like a little bit of a like, how did I get to this point? How did we like as right. a society get to this point? And like, like you forget what you're fighting for. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. That is something I, I actually when I first started watching, and I remember like I messaged you, and I was like, "Wait, why is there no like art? Why is what, like it? Did, right. Everything in the world seemed like it was just empty buildings for people mm-hmm. to stand in and talk and then fight in. Right. Like there was nothing. There were no shops. There was no yeah. businesses. There was no art or parks. There was yeah. just the war. And at first, I was like, "This doesn't make sense." And then I realized, right. "No, this is actually." Especially when you realize, like, because these machines don't have, like, a natural life cycle the way humans do. I mean, I yeah. guess, you know, they wear down eventually. But, I mean, they're supposed to last, like, millions of years. And so right. I'm guessing the the war has been going on, like, millions of years. Right, or um, thousands, or, like, really long time. <laughs> like... Right. I remember the first um, – I had a, a Transformers coloring book when I was, like, nine. And it was the first time I ever saw the word eons. Um, <laughs> and so I always think of eons when I uh, okay. see the Transformers. Right. Um, but yeah, it's a really interesting idea of like um, – the only other thing I can think of that's similar to it is a, another world that I don't know much about but I know has a similar concept of um, uh, Warhammer in mm. which the idea is that I think the, the slogan is something like the future is total war or something right. like that. Right, um, I'm, I'm butchering the exact wording. But the idea, I mean, yeah, it's people who are now just fighting because they've forgotten what they're fighting for. All they know is the fight. Um, yeah. And I it, – it's kind of why I like that the – the story ends, at least this first chapter, not with the Autobots winning necessarily, but with the Autobots basically leaving and trying yeah. to go somewhere else. Right, right. And and meanwhile, like, Alita One and, like, a few others are like, no, we're going to stay here. Like, this is our home. We're going to fight for it. Like, you go do you. But, right. like, this is this is my fight, you know. And um, it's, which you know, which is interesting because, like, earlier she was like, no, we should actually... I'm not entirely clear what, what her, um, like, what she always wanted Prime to do. It seems like sometimes she was just like, that's right. silly, you know. I think the main thing was she was like, don't take the AllSpark from, 
you know, because from from Cybertron, because like maybe then Cybertron will die, um, which is unclear. And I guess maybe in season two you find out whether or not that happens. Right. Um, Cybertron being the world that they're all living on and fighting for. Right. Exactly. Yeah, it, there, there is one point where they're in a theater, and I think she's like. Just like a theater, like it's like it's hard to believe that there used to be like art and you know music and theater and whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. Th- there's a scene towards the end. I mean, part of why Alita doesn't make sense to me is she sort of sounds like she's fighting on behalf of all these like civilians of Cybertron who are being oppressed, mm-hmm. but we never actually see them. Right. We do see that there's like nameless, faceless hordes, but they're all Decepticons, yeah. and you know. They only exist when Megatron, like, calls the army to battle. And then, like, for the first four and a half episodes or so, maybe five episodes, mostly we've been seeing people, like, punch each other or damage each other. And, like, in a couple of instances, someone actually is killed, but it's a big, big deal. Yeah. And then in the final battle, like, (laughs) our heroes activate their big ship and just start slaughtering people. Yeah, (laughs) Um, yeah, yeah. They just yeah. released this, like, mega weapon, and, like, we just see, like, all these little flashes of light as the right. Decepticon hordes just get disintegrated. Yeah. Um, so I was a little like, okay, that's, that's, I'm not quite sure who you're fighting for, who you're fighting against, but that's fine. Right. It's like, I mean, I, I do think that there's an implication that there are some just, like, sort of, like, um, like, random Cybertronians around. Like, I mean, there's a thing with the, you know, the... The other Energon um, scavengers, but right, there's some people who are like not part of either side. They're neutral. Like there's a healing person who yeah. winds up joining the Autobots eventually, but and then there's that traitor person. Yeah, and like some of them are like defectors from one cause or the other. Some of them never joined a cause. Um, it it does seem like I mean my impression is that the majority of the population has been destroyed. That the natural resources of the planet. Um, have largely been um, spent. And so that's like kind of maybe like another reason to leave, although that's not really set as a reason to leave. Um, but, you know, there, there's, there is this existential crisis of like, I think, um, I think it might be Alita once says, you know, we must focus on surviving as a race, not on winning a, a war. And I think she's talking about the Autobots, but it's like, it really could be true of like all the Transformers. That's just like... Yeah. You know, I mean, their world, it, it feels a little bit like Krypton before, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, because there's, no, there's nothing else happening. Right. Um, we wanted to keep today kind of short. So I wanted, the thing I wanted to kind of, last question I wanted to ask, and there's any more you want to go into. A couple of times Megatron says the words, so all can be one. Right. And then at or, a later point, Optimus Prime says the exact same phrase. Is um, it so all can be one or until all are one? I think it's right. It's until all are one. Yeah. Um, what does that mean? And what, like, to me, it seems really significant that the same phrase is uttered by both sides in this war. Yeah. So I feel like it's a little bit of a sort of, like, religious thing where, mm-hmm. you know, the idea that, like, when when a bot dies, like, their spark returns to the all spark or whatever. Right. Um, which I will say, um, did, did you notice and appreciate that it was a 20-sided die? Oh, I did not, but that's awesome. <laughs> I felt like that was this, like, just little, like, gamer, like, kind of, like, here. Yep. We'll make it a 20-sided die. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, what was I going to say? Um, 
it, it, I, I think it's this sort of like, un I mean, it's almost a little bit like the Highlander thing too, right? But like, you know, um, like until everybody's all like returned to the to the Allspark or, uh, which kind of is like, well, so like total annihilation of your species? Um, yeah. But like at the same time, I, I think it's sort of supposed to be a nod to like, everyone like coming from the same source you know and mm -hmm. um and all like th that all are one and that um that that i guess that's like you know for, kind of like forever until our species is gone is sort right. of my reading of it it's interesting because like on the surface it does not sound like it's about you know uh individuals and autonomy I mean, it sounds very fascist mm. and like mm -hmm. all of us are, you know, right. I mean, it sounds like the Borg, you know, right, like, right, right. which is kind of like what Megatron is going for. I, I like the idea. Um, and here I think this is more. It's funny. Just last night on um, the Star Wars podcast, we were talking about Return of the Sith and how there's so much of that movie that only makes any sense if you've seen the Clone Wars and know more of the backstory. Yeah. Here I feel like if I know that there's this religious aspect, I can kind of headcanon what I think is actually a beautiful idea, which is that both of these sides are motivated by the same general concept. Like they both want the same thing, yeah. but they have such various, they have such different ideas of either what that should be or how to get there that they literally have to fight like a global war because of it. And I think that's actually, um, it's a powerful reminder that a lot of times like the worst fighting is between people who on some level should agree, you know, right. like, um, I remember shortly after 9-11, um, I was working in New York City as part of a state senate office. And um, we are part of our – the re I promise this is relevant. Part of the um, district we represented included Chinatown. And we were talking to some of the, the Chinese representatives about how because of 9-11 fears, because of the 9-11 concerns, that we needed them to not have fireworks during the Chinese New Year. And their response was like – but. He basically was obviously just very frustrated that, like, Christians and Muslims, who he saw as just both monotheists, like, right. were fighting so much. He was like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. You, you won God religion. I think he said something like, you won God religions. Why do you cause so much trouble for the rest of us? <laughs> um, which I thought was like, eh, there's a lot there's, of truth there in a lot of levels. There, but, there, it, there, yeah. but it's that same idea. Like, I'd imagine anyone else would be like, wait, you both believe in this AllSpark thing. Why are you fighting so much? Um, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's often, you know, there's so much common ground um that then the like some of the things that might to 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 someone who doesn't share that common ground looks like kind of um minor you know um differences right you know um and i mean i i i'd say i share the perspective more of of the uh you know the the chinese observer in that case yeah of, you know <laughs> of looking at like yeah there's a lot of I mean, I mean, personally, like, I feel at odds with, like, the world, right? right? Like, overall. But at the same time, it's like, there's a lot of things that's like, yeah, we agree on a lot of stuff, right? Just like maybe we don't always all agree on, like, what constitutes a person or, like, someone who's who has rights that need to be protected. But, um, but I think there are some kind of fundamental agreements that, like, most people have about a lot of stuff. And then, I don't know, maybe it just lets the the differences sort of stand out sharper in relief. Right. You know, I don't know. Yeah. 
and to be clear, I'm not by any means saying that like the the conflicts that have happened between the United States and um uh, or other countries like that and and groups in the Middle East are by any means actually about like the tenets of Christianity and Islam. Mm-hmm. I think there's mm-hmm. you know religious fundamentalism and American yeah. imperialism and, and so many other complicating factors. I just thought yeah. it was an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, the um, word crusade did pop out of George W's mouth though. Yeah, um, no, that that's definitely true. That's, I mean, yeah, religious fundamentalism on right. both sides was definitely a big big factor and, right, and right. still is, especially here in the United States. Yeah. Um, any other kind of last points you wanted to say before we wrap up? Um, yeah, I, I just want to give one more quote to kind of finish on from my end, which is uh, someone asks Bumblebee in the beginning, like, what are you? And he's like, don't you mean who? Oh, yeah, that's such an interesting point. I hadn't even re- recognized that. And like, to me, that's like, sort of like, it does kind of double duty one about like, you know, robots are people like when they're people, right? Yeah. When they're not like a Roomba. Um, no offense to Roombas, and, you know, um, but, but yeah, like robots can be people. Um, yeah. but also, you know, that like your allegiance doesn't define you or doesn't have to, right? right? That it's, it's easy once you have some giant conflict to look at your allegiance to one group or another, um, or one aspect of your identity, um, or someone else's identity. And to just think of that as like their defining characteristic and, um, it doesn't have to be. Well, and thank you for reminding me of that because that actually helps me to better understand the thing I wasn't sure about because the way Starscream talks about it, he makes it sound like Decepticons or Autobots are literally like your race, like it's what mm-hmm. you're born to. And right. it, and so I wasn't literally sure, but I think when you hear things like what Bumblebee says, it becomes clearer, you know, that the point is just that Starscream is so lost in all this ideology that he, he like that both he and like we see with... Um, Bumblebee, some characters on the Autobot side, have both kind of forgotten that idea of, like, you can't have an identity beyond just where you fall in this fight. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Definitely. Um, cool. Okay, so thank you. Um, I had not expected that Transformers was going to be something that we were talking about, but um, uh, for non-Transformers fans, I hope you got a lot out of this discussion. would love to hear your thoughts and kind of the, the general concepts. Uh, and if you do wind up deciding to watch the show, it's... It is actually pretty good. Um, like I said, it's it's pretty bad on gender representation, and it is certainly not as nuanced as some of the other um, animated stuff that we've talked about. But I think it's it's got some interesting points, and it's only about two hours. The animation's pretty good. I think it's definitely worth giving a watch to. Um, but for you all, I'd love to hear it. And for the hardcore Transformers fans, who I'm sure there are quite a lot of you, um, what what's your thoughts? How does this story play out compared to other Transformer canons that you like? What's your take on the, the different ethical questions we brought up? Um, you can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, on email. The best way to find us is to go to the strandedpanda.com website and then click on Superhero Ethics. All the information will be there, all the links. Um, as well as there, you'll find links to all the other great podcasts that um, myself and the other members of the Stranded Panda Podcast Network do. We've recently been recording episodes on um, The Boys and Umbrella Academy, a second season of which just came out on Pandavision. Great things are happening on the, the MCU cast, the DC cast, the Star Wars Universe cast, Star Trek all those. So please check them out. Uh, if you like the show, please leave us a five-star review. It's a great way to help other people listen and, and join the conversation. On behalf of Paul and myself, thank you for listening. Have a great day. Until all are one with the great Icosahedron.